Good morning. Welcome to Emmanuel Church. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, if you're a guest with us this morning or uh, newer to the church family, we have for the past several weeks been walking through uh, the letter of Colossians together. The letter of Colossians was a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Colossae uh, about 2,000 years ago. And um, we believe that it was not just a letter written by a man, but that it was words inspired by God. And, um, and so we're studying this letter together. We're just kind of walking through it section by section, verse by verse. And we find ourselves in chapter 3 this morning. Um, and we're going to read it in just a second. But we're on the topic this morning of, of, of the relationship between parents and children. Uh, on May 26, 2008, my, my life was forever changed. That was a day that forever changed uh, my life. It, it was one of the most joyful moments of my life that I've experienced. It was the day that I became uh, a dad. And that feeling of, of, of laying eyes on a child for the first time, are, they're amazing and, and they're, they're surreal, right? So uh, if you've experienced this as a parent, you know what I'm talking about. I was in this euphoric moment of, of looking at my child and then he pooped. And out came the gnarliest looking stuff I've ever seen in my life. That meconium nastiness. Becoming a parent really is one of the most indescribable feelings. Um, it, it, it's, it's amazing to be a parent. And, um, and early on in, in fatherhood, like, um, I would just find myself staring at my child and being wrapped up in, in these super just indescribable feelings. But I remember early on, somewhere early on, as I'm looking at my son, it hit me that I was responsible for this beautiful ball of crying, pooping flesh that we had decided to name Jude, right? And, and, and I'm, now I'm 35 years old. I, I have another child, and it's still weird to me that I am the primary caregiver alongside of my wife, Melanie, for my two boys, um, they depend upon me to, to feed them. Well, that's more Melanie, because she's the cook in the house. And to play with them. And to tell them to pick their shoes up and to go put them in the closet for the 16th time. Um, when, when Melanie turned 30, that, that was a number that really messed with her brain. Like, turning 30 really that did something to her. It affected her. She had a hard time hard time coming to terms with the fact that she had now hit her, her 30s. 30 didn't phase me. You know what phased me? The day my son went to kindergarten, and, and it clicked with me that I was, now, I was now a parent of a child in school because it doesn't seem like too long ago that I was that child in kindergarten. I still remember my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Tegmeyer. I remember trying to run out of her classroom the first few days of school. And now I had a child in kindergarten. It, it, it was so weird to think about the idea that I was, I was the parent of a, of a student. And now my kids come home. Now Jude and Drew come home every day with, with homework that I have to check. And, and I have to go to parent-teacher meetings. And they play soccer. In fact, we have two soccer games this afternoon. Melanie and I have to divide and conquer. One goes to one game, one goes to the other. And I I help coach their basketball teams. And, and, and occasionally still, I have these moments where it all still seems surreal. And I think to myself, I cannot believe that I'm a dad coach. Like, I am doing the dad coach thing. 
This is so weird. And a lot of the time, it's really cool. But the rest of the time, it's incredibly terrifying. Because I am responsible for these two boys. I'm, I'm responsible to, to protect them and to feed their mouths and to, to buy them new socks because we're always losing our socks. And I'm also responsible to teach them about life and about how to live in this crazy world. And, and sometimes that thought, that I am responsible for, for the discipline, for the discipleship of, of these two boys, sometimes that thought is overwhelming to me. And I, and I wonder to myself, am I doing it right? Am I, am I doing this right at all? Because a lot of the time, I feel like I'm failing. If you're, if you're a parent in the room, I wonder if you can relate to that. If you didn't know, like we pastors, we may be can put on a good front, like we've got it all together and we've got all the answers. But when it comes to this parenting thing, uh, we are struggling with the rest of you. We don't have this figured out. And so much of my parenting feels reactionary. It feels like I'm just reacting to life and trying to keep my boys alive and not lose my mind in the process. And I know that there's more to it than what's happening a lot of days. Like I know that there should be be more happening than what is happening. But oftentimes I don't feel equipped for the task. Maybe you can relate or maybe maybe you can't relate. Maybe you have it all figured out when it comes to parenting because you're still in your early 20s with no kids. But for the rest of us who don't have it all figured out, this morning is is for you. And if if you're sitting there and you're going, man, I'm in college, I don't, have, I don't have kids, this message is still for you, because one day you might. Or God might call you to play a support role in the life of a parent, or God might call you to be a mentor, and there, there are principles that are going to be laid out this morning that apply to you. It's not too late to get tied into the Aspire movement, by the way, which we shared about last week. If you want to do that, talk to me. So, so last week, we began this three-part series uh, within the book of Colossians looking at relationships. Um, and in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18, going to the first part of chapter 4, the Apostle Paul begins to give instructions to believers pertaining to how they are to live in relationship with others. And last week, we looked at the relationship between husbands and wives. This morning, we're going to look at the relationship between parents and children, and as as we turn to these verses, let's remember the context of the letter leading up to this section. So the first part of the letter of Colossians, Paul is really establishing how Jesus is supreme in all of life. He is sufficient uh, for our lives. He is, he is all that we need. And then in chapter 3, he begins to tell the Colossians, he begins to tell us how to live in light of that reality. In Colossians 3.17, Paul says that we are to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, and then he transitions to this topic of relationships. And so it might seem to us an abrupt transition, but I don't think that this new topic is entirely unrelated to what Paul was just talking about. Part of doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus is doing relationships in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so today we're, we're going to try to answer the question, how do I parent in the name of the Lord? One way to think about this language of in the name of the Lord is 
in concert with the nature and the character of Christ. When we, when, we, when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name, right? Isn't that how we finish our prayers as Christians? In Jesus' name, amen. And when we're praying in Jesus' name, we are praying, God, I'm asking these things in accordance with the nature and the character and the will of Jesus, right? And, and so to live in the name of Jesus, to live, to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is to act in accordance with Christ's nature and his character. And so the question before us this morning is, what does it look like to parent in a way that pleases Jesus and points to Jesus? This question is perhaps already in and of itself indicting for many of us. Because for some of us, this isn't the focus of our parenting. I think when it when it comes to a lot of our lives, if we're honest, instead of parenting in the name of the Lord, we are parenting in the name of our kids liking us. Or we're parenting in the name of convenience. Or we're parenting according to the values of the culture. By the way, you can see how we could just extend this one click further. And this has everything to do with you, whether or not you're a parent or not, because we can live in the name of convenience, and we can live in the name of the values of the culture, or we can live in the name of people liking us. This isn't just parenting. This is, this is life. But Scripture calls us to live in the name of the Lord and to parent in the name of the Lord, and specifically, Paul gives us two verses to kind of direct us to that end. And so if you have your, your copy of God's Word, let's read these two short verses together, and then let's, let's unpack them for a few minutes. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, says this, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. This is the word of the Lord. I want us to notice three ideas from these verses around the topic of parenting that pleases God, parenting that pleases God. We're going to look at the duty of Christian parents. We're going to look at the danger for Christian parents. Then we're going to look at the desire of Christian parents. Let's start by looking at the duty of Christian parents. But before we get to parents, I, I, I want to first address the kids in the room. So kids, you're a kid in the room. Are you, I want your attention right here for just a second. All right, I want you to notice what Paul says in verse 20. So I'm going to read it again, and then I want you to tell me what the Apostle Paul wants from you. Colossians 3.20 says this, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Kids, what does God want you to do? Thank you. Very good more talk back that I've gotten in months. God's word says to kids that he wants you kids to obey your parents. This means that he wants you to listen to your mommy and your daddy and to do what they tell you to do. And when you obey your mom and when you obey your dad, this pleases God. But when you disobey them, when you don't do what they ask, when you don't listen to what they tell you, this displeases God. So kids, listen to me. 
one of the clearest ways that you can show your love for God is by obeying your parents. If you want to show that you have a heart that loves God, one of the clearest ways that you can show that you love God is by listening to your mom and your dad. And parents, one of the clearest ways that you can express your love for your kids is by giving them instruction and calling them to obey you. God has called you, parents, to be an authority figure over your children. He has commanded them to obey you, which means he has called you to give them commands and to discipline them. He says your kids are to obey you in everything, which means you must give them instructions for how to do so. And this in everything language helps us to see really the expansive nature of our calling as parents, right? This, this recalls Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema, where God, talking to Israel, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on your doorposts on the house of your gates Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9 God as he's giving instructions to Israel he tells parents in Israel to teach their kids about the covenant that he had entered into with them And they were to talk about it with their kids all the time when they were in the house and when they were walking to town and when they were going to bed and when they woke up in the morning. They they were to constantly be talking to their kids about what God had commanded, about what God had done. In fact, if you go and you read the book of Deuteronomy, we we preached this a few years back. and, And somewhere in the middle of it, I realized that I was in trouble because it became the same sermon week after week after week. Because all God is saying in Deuteronomy is remember, remember. Remember, remember the covenant. Remember that don't forget what I have done for you and don't forget what I have commanded you. And here God is saying to the Israelites, parents, teach your kids about the covenant. Talk about it all the time. Don't don't neglect anything. Teach them everything. Talk about it. This covenant was to be life-shaping. It was to be something Israel kept ever before them. Now, we are no longer under that Mosaic covenant. We are are under the new covenant in Jesus Christ. But the principle is the same. We are still called to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and with all of our soul and with all of our might. And we are still called to teach our kids. So we talk about Jesus and, and what it means to follow Jesus when we're in the house and when we're in the car and before bed and first thing when we wake up. Parents, we do the same thing that God told Israel to do. We just, we just frame it up in Jesus Christ because we're under him. Verse 20 implies that parents are to be instructing their children in every way. Parent, children, obey your parents in everything, which means parents, teach your kids, instruct them in everything. See, parenting is more than a few do's and don'ts. It's much more than that. Parenting is helping to shape the worldview of your child. 
Parents, you are called to help your children to know how to live in this world, to, to, to shape the way that your kids see and understand reality. Is this world a godless world, or is this world a God-created world? We're to teach them how to interpret reality and how they're to engage in it. As Abraham Kuyper famously said, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not declare mine. This is what this in everything language is about. We're to teach our kids that everything exists through Christ and for Christ, to show them how everything finds its proper place under his Lordship, your kids are commanded to obey you in everything because the expectation undergirding that command is that you are shepherding them in a way that leads them to submit to Christ in every way. You call them to obedience just as you are accountable to Christ and are called to obey what he says. See, see, here's something we need to understand as parents. Our authority as a parent is a stewarded authority. Right? Your kids are not ultimately yours. Your kids are God's. And he has entrusted them to you. And you will give account to him for how you raise them. You are under his authority. And he is calling you under him to exercise authority over your kids. To teach them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so the idea here is that as you follow Jesus... You say to your kids, hey, I want you to obey me and follow my lead as I show you how to know and love and follow Jesus. And this is going to become more and more explicit the older kids get, right? It's going to look different for a two-year-old than it is for an 11-year-old. A toddler needs a heavy dose of simply learning to obey mommy and daddy. You need to set hard boundaries and teach them to listen to your commands, and, and you need to give appropriate discipline and rewards for them obeying or disobeying. Now, this doesn't mean that you're not gospeling them, but your gospeling them at age two is probably going to sound a whole lot like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. As kids grow, though, you need to help them begin to, to learn scriptures so that they are growing to see what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And as they get older, you want to increasingly begin to offer the whys for your what's, right? Explain the obedience that you're asking for. Talk to them about their struggles. Teach them to confess their sin, but don't miss the point. The duty of Christian parents is to call your kids to obedience. This is fundamental to parenting. Too many parents today are more concerned with their kids liking them than they are their kids learning to follow Jesus. Do I need to say that again for the people in the back? I'm, and, and I'm not forcing a dichotomy here, right? It, it is possible, Lord willing, they'll like you and love Jesus, right? At least until they're teenagers. But, but the point I'm making is, is that as parents, we must not be pushovers. We need to call our kids to... Follow our lead and learn to obey in everything. Because here's the deal. How can a kid learn to obey Jesus if he can't even obey his mom? If you love your child, you will require obedience of them. And when you disobey, and when they disobey, you will lovingly discipline them. Hebrews 12, 6 
says, The Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. Kids need discipline. If you don't discipline your kids, it will be detrimental to their discipleship. As one pastor has said it, we, we discipline our kids because hell is real. So one of my sons was caught in a lie the other day. And it just so happened that this same son had been reading in his Bible from the book of Acts. And, and we had just read together in Acts chapter 5, which if you know the story of Acts chapter 5, this is the story of, of Ananias and Sapphira, right, who, who lied to the Lord and the Holy Spirit strikes them down and kills them. Lying to God cost them their lives. And so my son was caught in a lie, and we began to talk about it. I said, son, do you remember what you read in the scriptures the other day? What happened to Ananias and Sapphira when they lied? He said, well, they kind of like almost died. I said, no, they didn't almost die. They did die. I said, what, what could God justly do to us for our sin, for our lying? What's the punishment? What's the, what's the appropriate punishment? for that sin. He said, well, I guess, I guess I could die. I said, but son, what's, what's the good news of the gospel? Who died for that sin in your place? He said, Jesus. I said, so why don't you take a minute and thank Jesus for taking the punishment for that lie and for every other sin that you've committed? And then why don't you go tell mommy you're sorry for lying to her? And know that if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Church, this is how we need to discipline our kids. We need to teach them the gospel. We need to call them and hold them accountable for their sins. But if you're sitting there and thinking, man, that's really good. I need to confess to you that for every one of those parenting moments, there are about 20 where I totally get it wrong, where I lose my temper, where I parent selfishly, and I fail to show my kids Jesus. And, and, and so Paul not only highlights the duty of Christian parenting, which is to command obedience from our kids, but he also highlights the danger of Christian parenting. So let's look at that for a minute, the danger of Christian parenting. Look at verse 21. Paul says, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Now, if you're paying close attention, Paul shifted from parents to fathers. In the first century culture, the man was viewed as the head of the household, and he would have had the primary responsibility for instructing children. Douglas Moo points out that the Romans called this power the patria potestas, the power of the father. And it was a basic assumption about the way the household in the Hellenistic world would function. So in first century culture, husbands, fathers were assumed to be heads of the household. And so Paul is directing his attention possibly specifically to them. But in, in the Greek, this word really can mean fathers or it can mean fathers and mothers. And since our culture, in our culture, both parents share this role of instructing kids, it's probably best to see this instruction in verse 21 belonging to both moms and dads. But that said, dads, I think 
This is probably a warning that we need most. And we need to set the pace here and lead our homes by, by taking this warning to heart. And here's the warning. Here is the danger of Christian parenting. Fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children. That word exasperate, your, your version of Scripture might say provoke or embitter. The warning here is against aggravating your kids to the point of discouragement. Again, move. It's helpful here. He says, Paul does not want to see the children of Christian families disciplined to such an extent that they lose heart and simply give up trying to please their parents. Parents, we don't need to browbeat our kids, riding them for their failures and staying on them for their disobedience until you break them down. This would have been acceptable in first century culture. It would have been normal for fathers to do. Children were not necessarily highly regarded in the first century, and so it would have been normal to just chastise them, to be heavy-handed with kids and disciplining them. But, but Paul says this is not the way Christian households are to work. Christian fathers and mothers are not to treat their kids this way. Paul is actually leaning on the teachings of Jesus here, right? Do you remember that occasion in which Jesus was teaching and some kids were trying to get to Jesus? And what were his disciples doing? They were, they, they were holding the kids back. They were saying, no, you can't go see Jesus because they were looking at kids as unimportant. And Jesus rebuked not the kids. He rebuked his disciples. He said, let the kids come to me. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom. Jesus was radical in his treatment of kids. And, and so Paul's teaching here is, is, is following the lead of Jesus, and it's radical for the first century. Fathers, don't be harsh with your kids. Be, be gentle with them. Don't provoke them to discouragement, but encouragement, encourage them in their discipleship. The goal of parenting is not to discourage, it's to encourage our kids toward obedience and following Jesus. Think about the way the prophet Isaiah pictured the discipline of the Lord in Isaiah 42.3 when he said of God, a God dealing with a wayward people, says a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. This is the picture of our Heavenly Father and how He deals with us. A bruised reed, a broken stick, God's not going to just snap in half. He's gentle. He mends that reed. A wick that's about to flicker out, He doesn't quench. He helps that flame. God is gentle with His justice. He is delicate with His discipline. He, he mends us back together. He doesn't rend us apart. And this is how Paul is saying we ought to be with our kids. Not heavy-handed, but patient and gentle. One, one commentator I read this week pointed out that the verb that Paul uses here for exasperate has a fairly wide usage in the Old Testament, the Greek version of the Old Testament. And the passage that most closely associates with children and parents comes from Deuteronomy chapter 21, where parents are charged with, with publicly disciplining ch children that, that will not repent of their sins. And so if Paul is making this connection with, with his passage here in Colossians, then, then he is in effect exhorting us as parents to raise our children in such a way that, they do, that we do our very best to avoid provoking this kind of rebellious attitude in our kids. He's saying, don't spurn your kids in a way that leads them to going rogue. Don't just keep thumbing them until they finally give up. 
An overbearing, heavy-handed parenting style will certainly do it. But that's not the only dangerous parenting style. There are other ways that we can provoke and discourage our kids. So let me, let me offer a few ways that we could potentially provoke our kids. One, one way that we could provoke our kids is, is with a legalistic parenting style. Or what we might call a superficial appearance style of parenting, where, where we only focus on the external appearance of our kids, where we are, we are more focused on the P's and Q's, that our kids look good in public, that they behave well in public, but we don't really focus on their hearts. And so if we only focus on our kids' behaviors and not their hearts, we're going to in, eventually provoke them to give up. They're going to get discouraged with that. Now, I want you to hear me. I am not saying that behavior is unimportant, especially early on. You need to teach your kids manners. Manners are a good thing, all right? Good behavior is a good thing. But if that's all you focus on, you're going to burn your kids out because that is not the gospel. Behavior modification is not the gospel. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He, made, he came to make dead people alive, right? So the goal of our parenting is not to make good little boys and girls, The goal of our parenting is to teach our kids that they need Jesus to make their heart new. Parents, don't provoke your kids with behavior modification parenting. Secondly, don't provoke your your, your kids with with hypocritical parenting. I used to have a a coach in high school that would say, do do as I say, not as I do. That's not a good way. That's not a good way to coach. That's not a good way to parent. The, the things that you are calling forth in your kids, they need to see you modeling and emulating in your life. Thirdly, let, let's, let's not provoke our kids with vicarious life parenting, a.k.a. Little League parenting. Trying, trying to satisfy your quest for success or fame or popularity via your 10-year-old. I see a lot of that in the culture today. A lot of parents are trying to, to relive the glory days through their kids. You're going to provoke your kids that way. You're making an idol out of your kids when you do that. Some kids are provoked with a let's be friends parenting. If you are afraid of your kids being upset with you, you won't give them the discipline they need. And it's going to lead to all kinds of problems down the road. They're going to, they're going to be spoiled, and later on, life is going to smack them in the face, and they're not going to know what's going on because they thought the world revolved around them. And they're going to come running back to you wondering why you didn't prepare them for this big, bad world. You should be friends with your kids, especially as they grow older. But the goal, the goal for you as a parent is not to be their best friend. It's, it's to discipline them and teach them to obey the Lord. I could go on. Neglectful parenting, free-range parenting. Kids don't know best. They need you to give them parameters and instruction. They need you to teach them and instruct them in the way that they should go. Now, very likely I've, I've stepped on every parent's toes in the room. We all fall short. None of us live up to the calling that we've been called with. We're all prone toward at least one or two of these tendencies. And we're going to fail as parents. We're going to fall short. We're going to get in the flesh. We're going to discipline with, with poor motives, or we're going to fail to discipline because of poor motives. We're going we're to get angry, and when we do, 
If we're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is going to come along, and he's going to begin to convict us. Hey, you really screwed that up. You didn't get that right. And you know what you need to do in that moment, parent? You need to repent. You need to repent, and you need to go to your kids, and you need to ask your kids to forgive you. By the way, this is another point where we can just extend this way beyond parenting, right? If you're a Christian in the room, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you are going to screw it up. And when you do, and the Spirit convicts, you know what you need to do? You need to repent. And you need to go to that person, and you need to confess your sins to them and say, I sinned against you, and I sinned against God. Will you forgive me? I had to do this just a few days ago. I got angry. I yelled at my son in my anger. I wounded his spirit. He was sitting in the other room, really discouraged. I knew I was in the wrong. But in my flesh, I didn't want to admit it. I was trying to justify my anger. The spirit just started working on me. Eventually, I went to my son. I said, son, daddy was wrong. Shouldn't have gotten angry. Will you forgive me? He looked at me immediately and said, Daddy, I forgive you. And here's the beautiful thing in that moment. That is discipleship. That is discipleship. Your goal as a parent is not to project an image to your kids in which you are saying to them, I am perfect, be like me. Oh, no, there's only one who's perfect. His name is Jesus. Your goal as a parent is to say to your kids, I'm broken and you're broken and we all need Jesus. So when you go to your kids in a moment of brokenness, in a moment of sin, and you ask them to forgive you, this is the essence of the kingdom, right? We must enter in as little children. We must humble ourselves and admit our need. We are on equal plane with our kids in desperate need of the grace of Jesus Christ. We do not stand above them. We stand beside them. And so when we go to them, we are modeling before our kids what a life of discipleship is is all about. We are reminding them that all of life is lived out before God and that when we confess our sins, he is gracious to forgive us because he is slow to anger and he is abounding in steadfast love. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling a little paralyzed by like, man, whoa, this is a heavy calling. Like I gotta, I gotta shape a child's worldview and man, I don't get this right a lot and I screw up a lot. Let the grace of Christ liberate you. Don't let, don't let the dangers of parenting paralyze you. Let the grace of Christ liberate you. Jesus is with you and he will help you every step of the way. And when you fail, those are simply opportunities for you to confess and to repent and to receive forgiveness and to rejoice in the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so just keep chasing after Jesus and living a lifestyle of repentance and faith before your kids. If you'll do that, that will have a tremendous impact on them. More than anything, what they need to see from you is a heart that wants to please God. What your kids need from you more than anything in the world is a heart that wants to please God. Ultimately, this is the direction all of our parenting should be aimed at. And so as we close, I want to draw our attention to one little phrase at the end of verse 20. And it encapsulates for us the goal of Christian parenting and really the goal for all of us. Look at verse 20 with me one more time. Children, obey your parents in everything. Catch it. 
for this pleases the Lord. For this pleases the Lord. The, the, the direction of parenting, the direction for all of us, is to aim our lives at pleasing the Lord. So the goal of parenting is not to raise professional athletes. The goal of parenting is not to raise 4.0 students. The goal of parenting is not to have a beauty pageant winner for a daughter. The goal of parenting is not to have a world-class musician as a kid or even kids that adore us. That is not the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting, the direction we're aiming at as parents is for our kids to have hearts that want to please God. We want kids that adore Jesus and that want to please him. And so kids, I want you to tune back in. I want you to listen to me. What God wants from you more than anything in the world is a heart that loves him and wants to please him. God wants you to love him so much that you live your life to make him happy. That's what God wants from you. And parents, this is what we should be aiming for. Now, if they end up with a 35 on the ACT, congratulations. If they end up playing college baseball, kudos. But those are subordinate to loving Jesus. Let's get our priorities in order as parents. If we raise successful, intelligent, athletic, good-looking children that don't love Jesus, what does it profit a child to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We want kids who say with the psalmist, who, am I, who have I in heaven but you? And who on earth is there besides you? We want kids to grow up to love the Lord their God with all of their heart and with all of their soul and with all of their might. And so we, everything we should do, everything we do should have that as its aim. Our parenting should take shape around that goal. And yet we know ultimately we can't change our kids' hearts. The Holy Spirit has to do that. But we live as followers of Jesus before our kids. And we point them back to God's word. And we, we teach them what God instructs. And we, we call them to obedience. And we model repentance and faith in Christ. And God blesses that and uses broken Christian parents. Weak Christian parents. But parents devoted to Jesus. And through them he calls kids to himself. And so parents, let's live to please God. And let's teach our kids to do the same. And let's pray like crazy. In fact, let's do that now. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, we We pause and we just meditate on those two words we just uttered. You are our heavenly father, our Abba, our daddy. You are the perfect parent, God. And you have loved us so faithfully. You lead us like a shepherd leads sheep to green pastures. You lovingly discipline us as your sons and as your daughters. You are so patient and gentle with us, God. And God, you are perfect in wisdom. Thank you for being our Father. And God, we just say to you this morning that we, we want to live as your children and, and as parents. For those of us who are parents, we want to parent our children the way that you have parented us. So help us, Father. 
We, we need your love to overflow out of us onto our kids. We need your spirit to guide us in, in how to train them up. We need your wisdom. We need your grace. And, and God, we thank you that you delight to give us these things. And that the promise of salvation is not for us only, but it's for our children and our children's children to the third and fourth generation, as many as the Lord God calls to himself. And so, God, we, we pray that you would be merciful and that you would call our kids to yourself. Lord, there are a lot of kids running around this church. Lord, would you call them to yourself and would you use us to that end. Lord, we pray that, that many little acorns in, in Emmanuel Church would grow up to be oaks of righteousness. God, we pray that the many little arrows that are filling the quiver of your church would one day be shot out into the world with, with flaming hearts burning brightly for Jesus. God, you must do this, but you will use us. And so, We pray for your help. God, we feel weak. We need your guidance. We need your grace. Jesus, would you give it? In your strong name we pray. Amen. So maybe you're in the room this morning. You're not a parent. 